we were, <laughs> we were coming to church tonight and Baker asked me, he said, how long is church going to be? I said, it won't be long, brother, don't worry. <laughs> I said, don't worry. He's like, really? I said, oh, yeah, you don't have nothing to worry about tonight. And uh, Molly asked me how, how, how long Dad wanted me to speak. And I said, well, he really didn't say anything. I said, well, it won't be long. And, uh, and I was talking to him, and he's like, well, I don't expect you to speak for an hour. And I said, well, confidence, Dad. I appreciate that one. <laughs> and, uh, but it is daunting, but I, uh, I enjoy it and hope you'll continue to pray. The subject that's been on my mind is... Uh, something that I've talked to some friends about and speaking to you about, you may already know this up and down, left and right, but when I speak to some gentleman that I work with, I just cannot get him to see uh, the two salvations that are presented in the Bible. You have eternal and you have a time salvation. There's, there's many salvations that are taught in the world and uh, one of the big things, differences between primitive Baptists and other uh, organizations and religions um, out there is that kind of goes to uh, a cause and effect. What they say is causes of eternal salvation, we believe, are the effects of salvation, whether your, your belief, your faith, your coming to God, baptism, gospel salvation. We believe in all those kinds of salvations. The difference is there's only one eternal salvation, which is a monergistic work. God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. Man's system is a work salvation, but we understand eternal salvation as God has saved us, God has called us, and it's not according to our works. Uh, Baptism would be a form of work salvation, believing in God and accepting God, listening to the gospel, persevering to the end. We believe in all those type salvations, but the difference is those are a deliverance. You know, salvation means deliverance. Those are salvations in time where we walk here upon the earth. Um, and to preach this to you or speak this to you, you may, like I said, you may understand it. It may be easier to talk to you about it since you understand and we have the fellowship one with another that we can talk about these things and honor God as the one and only eternal salvation for us. The, uh, in 2 Timothy 2 and 10, Paul's writing to Timothy, um, obviously a born-again child of God. He's a young minister in the faith. And he says in 2 Timothy 2.10, or we'll start in 2.9, where he is talking to Timothy and he's saying, wherein I suffer trouble, trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. He says in verse 10, he says, therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake. This is who he's enduring all things. Now, he's enduring being put in bonds, being put in chains. He's suffering trouble as an evildoer. Paul was doing nothing at this time to be presented as an evildoer. But that's how they looked at him from representing the Lord Jesus Christ and going about preaching the death, burial, and the resurrection. And if you have conversations with people who are not, they're going to look at you as an evildoer. And how much are we willing to endure for the elect's sake? 
you endured a lot just to come out here tonight for the elect's sake. I'm looking at the elect's sake. As I continue to try to read the, the Bible, try to study the Bible, and what all am I willing to endure myself? A lot of times I like to put myself in the, the scriptures, where I fit in, what I would do, what I wouldn't do. Am I going to be able to endure? There's a lot of things personally in my life lately over the last two years as I've uh, moved in this direction that I, I have not endured. Um, I've fallen short. But Paul says, he was, he was, I endure, not we endure. He was, I'm willing to endure being put in jail, being beat. I don't know if you've ever been in any kind of relationship uh, where you've suffered, uh, whether it's physical abuse or mental abuse, whether it's on the job, in a personal relationship. I know I've suffered uh, from relationships and past from mental abuse. And uh, Paul, he went through uh, both of these. You know, he was beaten. He was shipwrecked. There was a lot of things that he suffered. And he was willing to endure. But now he's being looked at as an evildoer. They're putting him in, in bonds and chains. But he wrote a lot of his letters. He wrote a lot of uh, epistles out of jail. And he says, you know, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. He wrote most of his stuff out of jail. He got the most out of his, his writings from being a in the uh, jail. He says, I endure all things for the elect's sake. That's who he's writing to. He's not writing. He says that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is something that we can obtain. We've already got eternal glory, eternal salvation through the work of Jesus Christ. But he's saying here that he's suffering all these things for their sake that they may also obtain there's just something, a salvation other than eternal salvation that we all can obtain. And so um, when you're speaking about time salvation, people say that it's not in the Bible and uh, this and that. And when you're presented with a salvation all your life in, in, in the word of God, whether you hear the word world or salvation, if you're presented it in one way, that's the only way you know that's the only way you're going to believe. So to re you need to look at the scriptures, read the scriptures, see who it's talking to. And basically salvation, when it's presented in the Bible, is being delivered from something to something. Um, in the book of Exodus, when uh, he's leading children out of Egypt, he says in Exodus 14 and 19, but the children... 29, but the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on the right hand and on the left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. That day they were led into the sea. They the Lord opened up the walls of the sea. But what it says here is that the, thus the Lord saved Israel that day. He didn't save them from hell to heaven. That wasn't it. They weren't looking about to cross the Red Sea and say, Lord, save us now. Because you know that's what they were saying. <laughs> they were dead. <laughs> I mean, they were dead men walking. It was, you know, had Pharaoh and all his 
horses and chariots beaming down across them. And if I was sitting around there talking to you, I said, you know, Lord, save us. <laughs> it's over. You know, if the Lord didn't intervene and save them that day, that's a now salvation that the Bible speaks of. In 1 Peter 3 and 21, we read that he talks about a salvation from baptism. He says, For Christ also has suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. But which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were what? They were saved by water. They weren't saved from hell to heaven. My friends, we're not talking about an eternal salvation here. We're talking about a timely salvation that day. He says that they were saved by water in that day. The, in Matthew in 8 and 25, we have the disciples upon the ship. And he says in verse 23, And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. I think a lot of times I kind of sleepwalk in life and forget to go to God, and therefore he's pretty much asleep, you know, in my mind. You know, I'm not looking to him, and he's not, I'm not having that conversation with him. It's just like he's asleep on the ship. I'm on the ship. Um, but it says that insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We perish. Now, you know they did not have eternal glory on their mind. <laughs> they wanted to be saved that day from what? They wanted to be saved from the sea, from drowning. Just as when the Israelites went across the sea, they were either going to drown or Pharaoh and them were going to drown. They wanted to be saved that day. And these disciples said, Lord, save us. We perish. Just like Peter did when he walked upon the water and he, be he began to sink. You know, he did not have hell or heaven on his mind at that point. Now, did he? No, he didn't. He said, Lord, save me. There's many, many a times in my life that I've said the same prayer, Lord, save me, whether it's, I mean, I can look back time and time again and see where the providential hand of God has been upon my life. You know, two years ago, well, it was about three years ago now that, you know, I had blood clots that went up into my lungs and we were coming to church and I was going to stay home and uh, Lord providentially you know, had my sister Molly coming back in the house and take me to the hospital and I've already been to the hospital several times it was like Groundhog's Day to me you know I was going to go through the same thing come in fill me full of saline solution get me back to going not find anything and I, did, I went to the hospital like five different times in a two week period and they could never find out what was wrong and uh, I just, we went that morning and I was just minutes away from death. Uh, but I can tell you right now, I, I laid there many a times because that's what I used to do. I would just lay there and try to feel better and, and then finally have to go to the hospital. I remember saying, Lord, save me. And I can tell you, <laughs> I wasn't thinking of heaven or hell, my friend. But I was thinking, Lord, please save me. He says, Paul 
writes to the church at Philippi. This is a church that was dear to, to Apostle Paul. And uh, let me get to it here. And he says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, he says what? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He says, he addresses them as his beloved. As you have always obeyed, not in, he goes, you've always done this. This is who he's speaking to. This is when we read the word of God, we need to pay attention what he's, what he's saying and who he's saying it to. He says, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation. With what? With fear and trembling before Almighty God. They've already got eternal salvation. He's telling them to work out that salvation with fear and trembling. If you've got a relationship or you've got an issue with something and they tell you, you know, you need to work it out. You know, have they worked it out yet? You know, you have something going on and you just look at them and say, you need to work it out, you know. And Lord, just hope that whether it's a problem in the church, in a relationship, with a job, or your kids, you want them to work it out in a good way. You want to work it, work it out where good things happen. You don't want to look and say, we just couldn't work it out. You know, it didn't work, it didn't work out. But here, he's addressing his beloved. And he's already saying that they, they've obeyed with him there. They've obeyed with him out there. He said, just work it out with fear and trembling before the Almighty God, the one who has saved you and called you with a holy calling. He, uh, he said, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. To both to will or give you that desire. It's God that gives you the desire to not only to will, but he gives you to do, you know, the, the ability to perform that which he is working in you. You know, man does not have a will. He's got a want before he is regenerated. So if he already had a will, there would no, be no reason for God to work in you. If you've already got a, a, a good will, man doesn't have a good will. You know, when you say that, you know, you're talking about the spiritual nature of man, the natural man, because the natural man receiveth not the things of the, of the Spirit of God, because they're foolishness unto him. If you talk to the unregenerate, you're talking foolish, you're talking babble to them, okay? That is, you know, sometimes, most of the time you hear that in the natural man, the natural man, you're talking about the physical man without the Spirit of God indwelling in them. What you're talking is foolish. So he goes, it is God that worketh in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. God is working in you, not only giving you the desire to do it, to come to God. Man by nature cannot come to God. He doesn't seek God. He doesn't seek him early. He don't seek him late. He don't seek him at all. There, to him, there is no God. The fool has said it in his heart, there is no God. Um, so finally he, Paul says when he's writing to the Romans and this is my this is my desire not only for Bethel but all of God's children here on the earth that he says in Romans 10:1, brethren my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might what they might be saved for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. You know, the more we learn and the more we study about 
the Almighty God, the Prince of Peace, Jesus, our Savior. He says, you know, his heart and desire and prayer for them is that they might be saved. You know, the more we know, the more we hear the gospel, the more we study the things containing our great God, you know, the more salvation that we're going to have. There is a, a salvation in the gospel. There is a salvation in the word of God. There is a salvation by reaching out and to uh, reaching out to people and speaking about the word of God, telling them you love them, reaching up the phone, sending out a card, reaching to them and just letting them know how much you love them in the Lord and that they're God's children. There's a salvation in that. It's not a something that when we, that's eternal. You know, that's the biggest thing. I try to tell this guy at work and he, he just believes that it's faith, you know, or persevering to the end. You know, I finally came to the conclusion that this is his salvation that they look for. We, we agree on a lot of points. And I was telling dad the other day, I was like, what, how long would you have to persevere? What, what, is, the, what is the grand scale, scale of it? Is 75% of your life, 80%? You know, if I felt like I persevered at age 45 and I was at the peak of persevering, I'd want the Lord to take me then, right? I, I wouldn't want to live any longer. You know, I want to take the odds out of it. You know, I, it's not when you look at man's works and everything else, it's complete failure. You know, it's impossible with men. When the well, uh, rich young ruler uh, went to the Lord Jesus and said, what good thing must I do to obtain eternal life? He answers, the, Jesus answers the question, with men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. When it comes to your eternal salvation with men, this is impossible. That's it. By no works, by no means, holding out to the end, persevering, being baptized, believing the gospel, all those things are a salvation we can experience here in time. But when it comes to eternal salvation, there's only one way. With men, this is impossible. He told him, but with God, all things are possible. I appreciate you listening to me ramble for a little bit. <laughs> I love y'all immensely and love coming to be with y'all this world you know we want to be save ourselves from this untoward generation I've never been in my 45 years it seems maybe you have experienced some time some ones that are a little bit younger older than I am uh, a time where we needed to be saved from such an untoward generation that untoward generation is a crooked or means kind of untoward means scolio and you ever seen anybody with scoliosis with a crooked back that's what he's saying but I've, I've never been around a more crooked nation and world that uh, I live in it's, it's unbelievable and Peter says you know when he was at in the he says in many other words he exhorted and testified saying save yourself from this untoward generation we can save ourselves from this untoward generation by doing certain things. I can save myself from being a liar by not lying. I can save myself from being a drunkard by not drinking. There's a lot of things we can save ourselves from. We can save ourselves from a lot of 
uh, sins by getting out from behind the computer and the TV, stuff that's being shoved down our, just shoved down us constantly. If we just turn it off and open up the Word of God, listen to and visit with our fellow loved ones and kind of push that to the side for a little bit and obtain a salvation that Paul wanted Timothy to, to have, to also obtain a salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. I appreciate it. Thank you.